You're listening to the Work For It Podcast. I'm Brian House. I'm in the studio with Brian Cohn of Beco Knives and Nicholas Tobin. You may know him as the pickle, the pickle master, the pickle cutter, everything pickle. We're going to start calling him the man. The, the real dill. The real dill. He has joined us in the studio today, so this is an extra special episode of Work For It. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. It's T minus one week before I leave for maker camp and it's going to be huge. And I cannot wait this show and all future shows and past shows are sponsored by the beautiful people over at Patreon. And you heard Dennis talking about this in the beginning of the show. You can support what we do commercial free show right here. Podcast value. We bring it. We bring the energy. We bring the value every single episode. When you listen to the show, you walk away with just absolute 100% knowledge filled in your little brain, your little fatty pink brain that's growing inside of your head. And you're like, dude, I never thought of that. Brian and Brian have given me the skills and the, the, the necessary ideas to change the ways that you're thinking about your business in the workshop. This is us today giving it to you for free. But if you decide you want to donate, you can for $10.80 a year. Most people spend more than that on their lunch every single day. You can support our show. And hundreds of your contemporaries are doing the exact same thing. So go over to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. <clears throat> Pardon me. Also, we have two sponsors, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Anything you need to build your next knife project, you can get it at MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Talk to Lawrence Lake over there. He's a fellow maker. Nick, I know you just spent some time hanging out with Lawrence, so we'll have to talk about that on this sure. show. And also, check out BakerForge.com for some of the best, I would say the best Damascus in the industry. If you're looking for that special piece of steel that you can sell for 10x, 10x of what you paid for it, wow your friends and your customers with the beauty that is Baker Forge Steel. Check out BakerForge.com and use WFI10 at checkout to save yourself 10%. There's no limitation on that promo code, so go out and use it. And boys, I am ready. I am fired up. Let's work for it. Brian, hit it, Brian. Let's go. Let's work for it, baby. Yeah. Yes. Brian had his finger on that button that whole oh time. I, I know he did. I was so ready. He was ready. I've been... I've been missing the intro music. Well, the last couple of weeks, we haven't done it. I don't know why. But. Well, we had technical difficulties, and we thought maybe it was related to the the whole pod yeah, roadcaster yeah, yeah. thing. So we sort. I thought we had taken it out of the mix, and we hadn't. So it's no big deal. <laughs> Things are back. We are back in the groove of being the best podcast in the knife making industry. I th I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna oh, say man. it. We're it just got here. better today too, though. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. Got better. We got thickly. pickle on the show. I mean, this is unbelievable. So today, just to give you guys like a uh, an idea, we talked about it before the show about the theme of the show. Nick had a great idea about talking about production knife making because he's in a unique position to discuss this. And then also, if we have time, we're going to talk about selling those knives and the process that Nick and Brian use to go through and actually complete the sale. Mm. Um, super valuable data because. You're hearing it from people who are boots on the ground, who are actually doing it. We were just talking about this, how, and I, I see this in my world all the time where people go, you know, 
the best way to do it. And then you give them the advice and they go, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to go ahead and try it my way, even though the guy who's really successful doing it every single day told me what his secret was. I'm going to try this way and see if All it right. works. True story. Brian, Brian, I need you to do the rest of this podcast in that baby voice. <laughs> <laughs> and then what my favorite part is, is like when a customer asks me something and then I give them the answer and they go, yeah, I, I'm not going to do it that way, but I'm going to do it this way. And I write them right back and go, it's not going to work. And then like a month later, I get an email from them telling me that it did not work. And I go, <laughs> right. Duh. I think we had this discussion already. That's cool, though. You tried it. It's all good. No problem. But you should just listen to what I'm saying because I spend a lot of time doing this stuff every single day. And chances are you probably tried it, too. That is true. A lot of times I have tried stuff like that and the, these little tweaks and, you know, everyone's got a way to change things up a bit. And, and I appreciate that. And I love that, that people are using their brains and thinking and all of that. And uh, but, you know, I have to ask them, like, what's your end goal? Like, what do you want to do with this thing? And they're like, well, I want to do this. I'm like, well, just use it standard. Don't don't mess with it too much because you're going to you're going to play with this thing and try to change it. And then the reality of it is it works as is. So don't don't mess with it. And then, of course, they spend the next month messing with it. And then they're like, oh, it didn't work. <laughs> God, I wasted an entire month of weekends trying to make this work and it won't work. Oh, no. And now I'm mad at you, Brian House, because you didn't stop. You didn't drive over here and stop me from doing that. All right, Brian. All right. The rest of the show, I need that teenage voice now. <laughs> Lose I've the two, dude. Teenagers. I'm very good at that voice. But anyway, <laughs> boys, how the hell are you? You doing all right today? Go ahead, Pickle. Oh, I'm doing amazing, man. But uh, I ain't going to lie. I'm probably dealing with COVID right now, but it's all good. I'm I'm fine. It was like more one-day bug. around. Yeah, it is. It is definitely going, going around. There's uh, everybody's been sick around here too, but it's just bad headache and cold sweats, so, you know, with a fever. Yeah. I can't believe you're on the podcast right now. Oh, the, the, I, I took some, I've been taking CBD to help with the headache and the body aches. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, CBD oil, a little bit of a puff of, you know what? Yeah, exactly. Feel much better. Seriously, like compared to when I've been laying in bed all morning trying to get my ass out. Uh, I just went to the shop. I took my CBD. I took a puff and I feel better already. So. There it is. It went through our house and got every single person in this house except for me. Yeah, you're, you're immune to it. Happened. You're immune. I'm, I've had it three times. Yeah, now, exactly. So like, it's like yeah. three three strikes and you're out. Like, you don't have to deal with it no more. Yeah, maybe that's true. Uh, I will tell you, though, that it was it was rough on everybody yeah. else. It was really rough. So, but, uh, so you're back. At, well, you're not back. You're back from spending time. You went to somewhere to hang out with lawrence and make hammers and do a bunch of stuff Tell yeah me we did a bunch of forging down in uh alifax nova scotia at peter lepe knife and tool shop nice so uh we were down there uh there was six of us there should have been eight but a couple of them couldn't make it in the end so uh we still had a blast though we did a bunch of integral forging uh lawrence brought some goodies i picked up some scale material handle material like this crazy carbon fiber stuff that he brought he brought us some steel so we could play with that too we had some hex stock that we were uh, going to town at with and uh we made a bunch of integrals and then the next day it was just down to three of us left 
uh, wait, no, there was four of us left. Sorry. There's me, Pete, Rich, and uh, Jamie. We did a uh, PK Big Buddy Challenge. <laughs> so we all had the same piece of steel, and we had to forge to shape, finish a PK Big Buddy. All right. With nice. only one hammer. So you had to oh. choose your hammer wisely. That's the challenge. So what did you choose? I chose a dog's head hammer, the one that I made last year. Mm. Yeah. All right. Because I know that and hammer. How did it fare? Oh, I did pretty fucking good. I well, it's your design. Good. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's not the same. Like like that, the, the PK Big Buddy is just the EDC Buddy blowing up on a computer screen and then water jetted. So, like, yeah. I never really had that hand, that knife in hand before anything else. And, like, it just turned out to be crazy comfortable and, like, a great design, in my opinion. And uh, a lot of other guys, too, think the, seem to think the same. But uh, forging it compared to having it already water jetted and all that jazz is not the same deal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You're taking off from a piece of uh, 1095 one-inch round stock that's three inches long. Yeah. So you got to make that into a knife. And only with a hammer. Yeah. Well, we had the... No, no uh, power tools. We had the power, uh, the the hydraulic forge press at first to, uh, okay. to get it flat because we were kind of limited on tongs that we could have used. Like, all of us couldn't have used tongs for uh, that size of round stock. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah. So, we kind of just flattened things up and then went from there by hand. It was great. Now, how do you feel, how do you feel about, you know... Um, the process of drawing out some round 1095 forges pretty well. So, you know, it's, it moves, but do you, do you appreciate or like the process better after the fact? Like once you start drawing that blade out, flattening it, getting it close to shape, I'm assuming there's like some grinding involved. Yeah. A little bit of clean up on the grinder. Yeah. yeah. And then when you get to that point though, it it must be very satisfying. I mean, I'm sure you're a little bit exhausted from the process. You know, you're like hammering down steel and working it down. But once you get to that point, doesn't it does it feel different from a stock removal situation? Oh, for sure. Like the feeling that you get when when you're forging in a knife in a, a knife and you get it to uh, forge to finish, like say ninety percent. If you yeah. can, uh, that feeling is like having a high end hundred percent finished knife in your hand, you know, say that you finish stock removal. Yeah. So, you know, it definitely is satisfying, like more than stock removal process. Cause like I said, like if we're going to compare the two, the stock removal process at completion point is the same amount of satisfaction as of where I forged a knife to shape and that I'm done there for now. You know what I'm saying? There's still no handle done or nothing. So, yeah. you know, it gets me excited to see that form take shape and come close to finish shape. I didn't have much grinding to do on mine, to be honest. And uh, that, like I said, is more satisfying than having a finished knife in my hand. Yeah. 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 We were talking about this because we're doing a lot of CNC work in the shop and the difference in the feel of a handmade knife versus a CNC knife. And it's all opinion or, you know, it's preference, right? Some guys love a knife that is machine made and it's perfect in every way. You know, you can line everything all up, it clips together, you know, the whole deal. 
And there's other guys who would prefer something that has flaws that is made by hand. And I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I really enjoy both. Like I love both. Um, but never have I loved a blade more than when someone hands me a forged out blade. Yeah, like it's if just it's not the hand same. forged and it's handmade. And I can tell that by holding on to it, looking at it. It doesn't have to be brute to forge or whatever, but I can I do prefer that. I get this like there's an energy that comes from it. And I'm not a you know, you know me. I'm not like one of these guys that's a hippy dippy and all of that. Here you uh, are putting jade eggs where they shouldn't be. Well, you know, it's <laughs> it's there's something to it. I'm ve- I'm very much a believer in vibration. So oh, are you now? <laughs> I am. I am. You're, Is that jade egg kind the, of vibrating? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a, I I really do feel like things can have a life if right. if it's done the right way. Um, and we've kind of gotten away from that now because we do a lot of major production stuff, right? I mean, we're, you know, we're moving in the last 20, 30 years, everything's gone CNC, it's clean, crisp, machine, and all of that. And now we're seeing a swing away from the clean, crisp movement into these handmade items because it's more than novelty, I think. I think people hold a knife that was made by someone by hand, forged out. And the handle was, you know, ground down and made by hand or, or chosen. You know, the, the materials were chosen for a reason. They had a story behind them. And I think people have a, an affinity for that because they can feel the energy of the person who toiled over that piece. Mm-hmm. And I know I do. Even now when I, I'm in that world, like I can make just about anything. I have tools to make it just about anything. But it's when I'm hand make something and it's in my hand and I can feel it. There's a there's something there. There's an energy there, and I I love that. So whenever I see Pickle doing this work, I'm like, it, this is the reason why his blade work is, uh, it sells. You know, people can get a sense of Pickle and his hands are working on that steel and that wood or the handle material, and they're putting it together or he's putting it together and they're going after it to buy it because they get a sense of him when it's, when it's all there. Mm. Would you guys agree with that? It's oh, like, yeah. a, it's like I've always uh, said since I started making this, uh, making these knives allows me to finally express myself without being told to shut up. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's why you do see and sense a part of me in these knives is because I, I really do put my everything into it and I'm expressing myself with this form of art you know like there's there's nothing else i'd rather be doing to express myself you know i'm snowboarding or i'm making knives that's how i do it and uh making knives is the way that i found that i was able to express myself without having to say a fucking word at all like there's no look at me there's no hey what about this or nothing it's just straight up knives and what you get is a part of me and and i get a sense that you're so very proud of the work you do Oh yeah, you know, every it, every one. There's every blade that I've made. There's a sense of pride in it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I feel too that y- you're slowly destroying your own ego. I mean, you're 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 doing this work. You're creating something, and all of your energy and sometimes your suffering goes into that work. Yep. And the ego is slowly contracting. 
And I, I just see that in your work every time you show off a new piece or you show off a piece of steel you've made. Yeah. I get that sense from you because us as men, you know, we're, you know, we're utilitarian, right? Yep. And some of us just were built for that. We go to work, we put on our boots, we go down, we, we just plow away at whatever it is or grind away or whatever it is our whole lives. And some of us are living in quiet desperation and myself included and for a long time. And I think pickle, you fall into that category, Brian, you fall into that category, quiet, uh, male desperation of, is this what my life really is? You know, mm -hmm. like a long time we live these lives. That was, um, in fight club. There's a great line. He's like, our lives are, are our great depression you know, because we really don't have much. We're all polishing the brass on the Titanic. Mm -mm. And, you know, the making portion of it for me was always where I found great suffering, but also great pride in my work. And it was because knife work in particular is so multifaceted. You don't just understand handle material. You it, you don't just understand metallurgy. You have to understand so many different pieces of regular craftsmanship. Simple geometry is, you know. Geometry. Yeah, there's great. a lot of people that sucked at that shit in school. So imagine what kind of knife they'd make. You know? <laughs> well, not only that, you get to apply geometry to this. Yes, right? exactly. Now you get real world shit. And I often think about like, sitting through analytic geometry, which I had to take to get my degree and thinking I'll never use this, mm. but I'm using it today. Yep. Me too. Same thing. Like, well, I did a lot of construction work. So yeah, you, you work with forms and shapes and geometry and all that. And, and degrees, but you're, like you're always looking at degrees. Yeah. Okay? But and other than that, I had no reason to use any of that, you know, like you said, but when it came to knife making, like all of that's there. It all matters. Yeah. Those little matters. details yeah. matter. Cause you could spend all this time making this thing yep. and it doesn't cut shit. No. Because you <laughs> you messed up the the edge geometry. So Absolutely. I love the fact that normal, regular guys like us can come together, dump all of our artistic endeavors into one small item, small thing that takes so much time and expertise and energy and at the end of it you sell it to somebody and off it goes and hopefully they can take a little bit of that with them when they do that so um i, I love that about knife making that is one of my favorite things about it is that it's just there's so many steps that you have to take in order to achieve the final goal and if you fuck one of them up you pretty much have to throw it away and start over you know yeah for sure for sure yeah so. Now we've heard all about pickles last week and we come, you know, let's go ahead and hear what's going on at the house, you know, in the industries. <clears throat> we are, um, we are doing a, uh, I'm making a mad rush to finish all my prototypes for hopefully production in the next 30 to 40 days. Like, you know, we're working with a couple of different new, a couple of new vendors that are actually mm -hmm. working with us to achieve some of these goals so that by the end of the year we can have, um, I'm hoping to have three new products on the market. So we're 
pushing, pushing, pushing. I was and hoping you would have said sooner. Forever. What's that? I was hoping you were going to say sooner than 30 to 40 days. Dude, it, it's taking so long. Dude, I'm dying. So I've been long. dying since February, okay? I know. I know. <laughs> and it's, man, it's, I don't know what's going on, but everybody is taking more and more time to get back to us and more and more time to just get the prototypes finished. And I have the machine, so I'm making them, but then I send them off to production you know i give yeah. them to somebody and i have to give hand them the drawings i have to hand them all the cad work and then they sit you know or they're working on them um now, but we are working with a bigger vendor now that is that's got some pretty heavy duty machinery in michigan which oh, is kind of interesting all right and cool. it's a it's it's a big company i'm not gonna say who it is but it's a big company and we've they have been courting us for the last year to try to get to work with them and i'm like yeah trying to keep it local trying to keep everything you know in florida or whatever and they're just like send us the drawings let's see what we can do and so i did and you know we're working on a whole bunch of new stuff because they have the facility to to reduce the amount of time that it's taking to get all these things done so now where in michigan is it dude uh i actually I do not know. I think it's somewhere near Detroit. Yeah, uh, that's sense. all I know. It's yeah, in the mitten somewhere. Yeah, what? and they they have offices like all over the place, but mm -hmm. they do all their heavy machinery or machining in the Michigan area, Detroit. I'll find out where it is, and now, then they ship it. If you ever have issues, now you can just say, "Hey, Brian, go slap them up. Go over there send and send in the yeah. goon." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I'm stoked about that. I'm, you know, we're, we're working on, um, finalizing a couple of cool designs for things that we've never really, um, the space that we've never really got into, which is I'm working on that drill press table that has mm -hmm. all kinds of slots and holes in it for different types of arrangements. Mm -hmm. And we've included now, um, these bins that clip on the side of it that you, you basically clip them on and bolt them down and they have slots in them for knife blanks and little bins that you can like put all your hardware in and all your drill bits will fit in there and all of that. So that's where we're doing a big push to try to get that in production before Christmas. Oh, wow. So that'll be really cool. So it'll turn your standard drill press into like a, almost like a milling machine scenario. You won't be able to mill with your drill press, but it'll, you'll be able to, dial in you know it basically this table mounts to a cross slide table like a mm -hmm. cheap one like an inexpensive one you can buy it like harbor freight and then it's got toggle clamps on it that hold your uh, your work flat mm -hmm. and then different spots all over it for those clamps and one two three blocks that mm -hmm. actually bolt to the table so if you need your work to be a little higher or you need a stop so you you know your blade won't helicopter on you whatever you got a hundred different little spots to bolt things down flat to a table which is really difficult to find these days like you cannot find anybody in production with that it's a super unique product and i'm really proud of it and i'm like on my like fifth prototype of it <laughs> of course but 
um, I really want it to be the best when we when we push it to to market. So I'm surprised that we haven't seen that in any of your socials so far, dude. We we man, we get so ripped. Everything we do now is ripped off by our competition. So mm. I I I know. I I'm telling you, I'm scared. These guys are duplicating, literally duplicating my work, and it's it sucks. I really dislike it, and I'm I'm really fighting. I'm filming all of my processes. Let's just say that. But until I push the final design, I'm really not showing it because I just know that it'll be duplicated. And when it is, I think I'm going to go ahead and call them all the fuck out this time because this is (laughs) such a different thing that when they duplicate it, I'm just going to be like, hey, where's my logo? I don't see my logo on any of this shit because you guys are totally ripping it off. But uh I probably speaking won't of, do that. I'm just speaking. I'm just freaking, you know, me. But speaking uh, of ripoffs and total, like, that's my knife with your logo on it. Uh, we had a situation with Matt Gentry. I was scrolling through TikTok and I came across a muck. And I was like, holy shit. Ooh. It was exact, like, right down to pin placement. You know, all the handle geometry is exactly the same. The blade, the grind, like, the angle that Gentry puts on his grinds exactly the same not to the same finish of course and uh i i you know i I was sent that saying hey is this matt's and then i sent it to matt saying what the fuck dude what what's going on here and matt tried to find him on instagram and he the person had already blocked him everywhere so do you (laughs) i know the month is I want you to send me that link when we yeah. get off this podcast. I want and to see like, it because there's there's a guy doing this exact same thing in Texas right now. Yeah. And he so he took our uh, belt hangers, the 3D printable belt hangers, and he replicated it and did his own thing, which is whatever. And then somebody posted and tagged me in a in a Texas Knife Makers Guild Facebook post. Yeah. Where someone was asking about, hey, where, you know, how do you guys hang your belts? Mm. And someone tagged me, hey, Brian makes this great belt hanger or whatever. And then the, I don't know, somebody in that group, a top contributor was like, you don't, don't buy it from Housemade, buy it from this guy. He's in Texas and he's doing his thing and this is way better. And it became a whole thing. And I'm like, yeah, you should probably look at the timeline when all that stuff came out because this guy literally downloaded my file and modified it put his logo on it and then said and i think he's buddies with this other guy and then he's like yeah i'm making these in texas you should buy them for me because i'm in texas and i'm like is that your best argument that you're in texas (laughs) (laughs) And, and then i looked through this guy's feed and he has duplicated a couple of my knife designs oh geez so he is just he's one of these guys that is you know my take have on an that. Original, he does not have an original thought in his head, and then he is getting combative with people in the comments section when they call him out on it. Mm. Now, with it's not going to fare these, well for him, especially with like this Matt Gentry one, the Matt Gentry clone. Um, don't ask me. Don't ask Matt. We're not going to tell you. He only has like a hundred <laughs> or so subscribe or followers. We're not going to amplify this son of a bitch. That. I was just going to say, you just opened yourself up. Everybody's going to want the freaking drama. No, I'm not. I'm not giving it to anybody. <laughs> There's a Jason Knight clone going around too. The hummingbird. Oh, yeah. On Amazon. Yep. 
Yeah. Ah, uh, bummer. Yeah, that no, sucks. dude, they're all over the place. Seriously, like, I, I don't get why people. Well, you know my take on this kind of stuff, Brian. Right, people that steal ideas and designs and all that—they're just plain simply lazy. Yeah, hundred percent. They're they're hundred percent fucking lazy. Low. Uh, I'm gonna save that for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a thing. It's yeah. a thing. But here, you could also look at it like this: your work is good enough for it to be duplicated exactly. so you know you should be flattered a little bit take yeah, some pride awesome. in that you it's know but not yeah. all bad yeah it's not but still bad. you know it's this this is something that's been going on ever since the first day of you know manufacturing pretty much you know this, even in the snowboarding oh, yeah. world back in the 70s and the <clears throat> excuse me late 70s and early 80s uh tom sims and jake burton they, they were arguing west coast east coast who invented snowboarding when neither of them had Right. yes you know I what i'm remember saying this yeah neither yeah, of them had and they were arguing over who had invented it and it was neither of them so you know it's manufacturing is a competitive place i guess you yeah know, i'm a I, big fan of free markets i think it's great that people do this i just don't like the the attitude of somebody who steals somebody's work and then exactly like, gets aggressive about it yeah. later but well, i don't know if Texas. you guys know this i'm gonna drop i'm gonna drop a huge bomb on you guys right now what's i that? don't know if you know this but I actually designed the muck first, and Matt Jenkins stole the design for me. I'm just saying, I did it first. You guys hadn't seen it yet because Matt, I was talking with Matt, and I'm just saying, he'd say, <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. I had a long conversation with Matt. He FaceTimed me. His shop is looking amazing. Yeah, it is. Uh, we were talking about electrical, like the distribution of electricity in his shop, and he just wanted to like run it past me. And I love the fact that I got like a behind the scenes look at his shop because it's coming together really well. If you want to watch somebody who is working insanely hard on their professional and personal development, follow Matt Gentry. He doesn't really yeah. need your follow, but you know, he's over a hundred thousand on Instagram. <laughs> Definitely an impressive, say, impressive person to follow. Unbelievable. Like, yeah. you, you look up to that man. He's doing all this work to push himself even harder every single day. And then he takes the time to come up with such great knife designs as my knuck, muck. And, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, a lot of the things he's doing on that house build and shop build and all that are a lot of things that he'd never done in his life, you know, construction-wise right. and all that. And he's taking it on. Imagine if everybody had a mentality and a mindset like Matt has. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I needed an addition on my shop. I know I could do. I could. I could do it myself. You know, I worked construction my whole life, so I went and slammed it in like less than a week, and I got it done and over with. You know, but not everybody could apply that. And uh, to see somebody like Matt get it done with little <laughs> to no experience in the construction field, I'm, you know, I'm assuming like it's it's just crazy. Like it blows my mind. He's raising yeah. the bar. Yep, he yes, really yes. is. The last thing I'm gonna say about it. Speaking of the muck and the muck clone. The dude called it the Mick. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't even come up with an original name. Oh, no. Imagine that. Huh? That's so great. <laughs> couldn't even come up with a good name. <laughs> Jesus. Christ. No, it's unbelievable. You know, and it's it's almost as bad. Well, that's actually worse than seeing your picture of a, one of your finished products on somebody else's page where they're, like, trying to clone your page or whatever. So, yeah. So, like scam people into buying knives but they're your knives and they don't technically have them for sale yeah you know that's a we thing this, too we get this question all the time where guys ask me if they can buy my grinder parts without my logos on it oh jesus and there are this is everyone's argument which is 
they must think I'm stupid, but they they go, yeah, those logos in the base plate, they're going to collect a lot of dust. Uh And I go, I don't know if you've ever used one of these machines, but pretty much everything in your immediate 10 foot radius of you is going to collect dust it's not pockets are going to be full of dust bud yeah and um and what it is is they want my logo off of there so that they can you know show it off i guess is their own i don't i don't know um and i just my response to that is uh go ahead and buy a pair of nike shoes without the swoosh exactly go buy a pair of adidas without the three bars you know go buy a ford without the the Ford Crest, you know, like it's the whole point of a brand. Exactly. Is that you, you know where it came from. Like and I wouldn't sell a knife quality. without my PK on it. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. crazy. It, I mean, it's unbelievable, but the, so I wanted to, uh, Brian, real quick, tell us your week. And then I want to shift uh, the conversation into production. Cause that's where we're all headed. And I'd like to hear about your week. And exactly that. I had a really good week. Uh, I've been kind of, you know, talking about it a lot. Went to Frankenmuth to do that Fire Arts Fest. And you did it pretty went, good. Yeah, it did pretty well. We sold 10 knives, um, which Whoa. gave, yeah, yeah. And what was kind of fun is, um, you know, obviously I made a bunch of knives right before because I only had four or five knives that were ready. So I ballooned, you know, four or five up to 20 new knives. And then. Mm-hmm. I went to my Louis Leatherworks, my leather guy, and he had 10 knives of my old stuff, you know, stuff that I made, you know, two, three years ago, you know, not necessarily perfect, not up to my current standards, but I took them home and I, you know, polished the turd, if you will. <laughs> and, you know, I mark them down, you know, I was, I was selling a couple of them. I sold for like 60 bucks, you know, it's just get them out of here, you know? And those were kind of the ones that went first. Like I sold a couple of those where, you know, it's a five inch chopper and I sold it for 150 bucks. And it's like, you know, they're not, they're not cheap, cheap prices, but they're still decent knives, but they're just, you know, they're not up to my current design standards. Um, The other thing is I had, I think six EDC threes and I brought two of them home. So that was sold pretty well. But the thing that really, you know, Emily said I should have made 50 of them and I should have listened to her. You know, that little Damascus, like, pico chopper like little itty, like maybe an inch long blade yeah Do you see that thing where yeah. it was kind of the lin ray style handle where it's just a long tang folded over yep um that sold within like the first 45 minutes nice yeah emily when i showed that one off to emily she said you, you should drop everything don't make anything else make 50 of these things they'll you they'll sell like hotcakes should have listened Pro- probably what's the price too. point what's the price point on that well, it was, it was a little piece of scrap Damascus and, a, I mean, very minimal. It's all made out of scrap, and so I put 50 bucks on it. Huh. it went. Heck, yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm honestly thinking about designing that up and, like, you know, maybe giving a little bit more design to it and then getting a water jet cut. One-inch sure. blades. I mean, think about how quick those would be to produce. The bevels go into them in, like, 10 minutes. Um, yeah, those, those, see, those, especially for shows like this, they sell like hotcakes. And honestly, whenever I make these little scrap knives, they never last 24 hours. They're gone. So I've been really enjoying that for sure. But, um, I got to spend a lot of time with Jeremy, Jeremy Ballaball 409 Forging, and then Garrett Waterman, who we talked about this last time, Waterman Ironworks. Um, you know, it's kind of like the, the old trios back together. We're having fun. We're, we're 
you know, hanging out and doing our thing. And, you know, Garrett sold quite a bit and Jeremy sold a, a couple things and everyone was happy. It was, it was a really good time. I've got a couple of questions. So first and foremost, did you sell the cleaver and charcuterie board combo? The charcuterie board did not sell. I put it Damn. at 400 bucks. I had, I honestly, it was probably the thing that got picked up the least. Oh, I was surprised. really surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised too. Yeah. Those Frankenmuth bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was going to be the first thing that went. I thought was, they had taste. I guess not. <laughs> they weren't <laughs> drunk enough, maybe. Yeah, well, you know, it, honestly, throughout the entire weekend, we maybe had, you know, three, 4,000 people walk by. So, yeah. no, that's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah that's decent, dude. Decent. And, and put it this way 10, 10 knives is better than a lot of people do at Blade Show. Yeah, I guess that's true. <clears throat> that is an excellent point. No, absolutely. Like, There's guys that were at Blade so Show right for three that. days and sold two knives. Yeah, yeah, you're so right about that. Yeah. You know, I'm the, not uh, bashing it or nothing, but it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why I wouldn't want a table at Blade Show. You know, it's like put all that production in to sit there and lose three days and sell two knives and barely pay for a table. You know? Yeah. 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 Was the was the crazy guy there? The <laughs> he was there. For, he was there for the iron pour. So there's basically this big giant metal stack that they put up and they fill it with coke and coal and iron and they do like this big smelting thing and. Uh, you can pay to make a little mold thing that at the end of the night, they basically light this thing up, they pour all the metal, and they go around, and they, they fill all the molds. Oh, that's that's actually really cool. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the stack probably stood maybe 10 foot tall. So, I mean, it was a pretty decent-sized thing. And when they're pouring those molds, I mean, there's sparks that go flying up 20 feet in the air. It's it's crazy. So is that considered cast iron then? Yeah, well, cast, I think it was, I don't know if it was iron or aluminum or what it was, but I don't know. But that get, that crazy dude was there for that. He did not have his forge there. But yeah, it was it was fun for sure. And Jeremy's doing well, I assume. Jeremy's doing great. I mean, he did he did pretty decent. Um, last year he came up and he you know he wasn't as prepared and he didn't he didn't really sell much. But um, this year he had brought. Well, of the 11 knives he sold, I think only two or three of them were, not, were for sale. Most of them were already made for customers. He just brought them to show off what he can do. But, I mean, he, he sold. I mean, he did pretty decent. But the one thing that I really did, and honestly, next year, I probably won't even bring the forge because we lit it for maybe an hour. Jeremy forged out a couple bottle openers. My whole thought process on it is you have your entire life to make as many knives as you want. You have a couple people forging on other side of the, you know, my booth was in the middle. I had a guy to my left who was forging. I had a guy to my right who was forging. So to try to forge, to bring people in, those two guys were covering that. Right. So I was just there standing in front and I was doing, you know, the bald man knife and tool. Hey, how are you guys liking, how are you guys liking Fri Firefest? What's your favorite thing? Get them talking about what they're excited for. And get them like invested because how many times do you have someone is asking your opinion on things, right? Makes you feel yeah. special. Yeah. Get them to stand there and talk to you for a couple of minutes. And all of a sudden they look down and start looking at your knives and they start asking questions. That that is way more valuable than if I'm back there forging and like kind of throwing half ass, you know, trying to interact with people. You know, if you're not there selling your knives, you only have so many hours 
where you can sit there and actually talk to someone and talk someone into buying one of your things. So, no, you're right about that. And just like in any business endeavor, it's mostly about relationships with people and what they remember from you. Yeah. And if you like ask them a question, like, do you have a favorite knife in your collection or is there a knife you lean towards in your kitchen and get them talking about themselves and talking about their, their knives, chances are you're going to get a customer from that, you know? So that, that makes a lot of sense. And if other guys are forging, it's nothing new, you know? So that, yeah, you're great at talking. You're great at selling. I would do that a hundred percent. You can still hear it in my voice a little bit, but I was totally hoarse by the end of the second day. Oh my god! I I just had no. I was yammering the entire way through. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. It sounds like it was a success. Then it sounds like a lot of fun. Actually, I brought 150 cards and I ran out by the end of the second day. So yeah, it's pretty decent. Well, cool. All right. Well, um, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about production knives. And in particular, Pickle, you are embarking or have been embarking on a the PK EDC buddy. Am I saying that correct? That is 100% correct, sir. Okay. And this is your production knife that you're working on and it's had some, like good success, right? Absolutely. I, I think so. I like to think so. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about the process, like start to finish and, you know, how, how it's changed. Like, I'm curious about, we've always talked about on this podcast, how every single knife maker should have a production, uh, less expensive knife that they could sell to a customer. Like say a customer comes up to you and says they want a custom knife, blah, blah, blah. You work it all out. It's 500 bucks, 700 bucks. They're like, Ooh, that's too much. And then you say, hey, I've got these other knives that are in my collection and they're a lower price point. And these are our flagship products, right? These are products that you can always have on the shelf. They're easy to make because they're production knives. They're either water jetted or CNC'd and but they're still handmade. You're still doing some shaping and doing some grinding and all of that. But you can offer it at a lower price point because you're not spending five, six hours, you know, finishing this knife exactly is that kind of the experience you're having exactly yeah you know there's there's different ways to go about doing it i guess you know like i've seen a lot of guys doing just getting their blanks water jetted and then they get unhardened blanks well i went the route where i found somebody here in canada that was actually able to water jet my blanks heat treat my blanks and also get my handle material all cnc routered wow you know, for a fair price per, per piece, you know, per blade. So that right there was a big advantage. You know, that's one way I think that people should do it more because if you think about it, once you get into heat treating, if you're heat treating 14 stainless steel blades, that's going to be a day's work, you know, and a lot of foil, and that foil's not cheap. You know, so you're using your kiln, you're using electricity for the kiln, you're using foil, and you're using your time. So just that step right there to me is worth it, you know, and his heat treat is good. Like this guy has been around for a while. He does all, uh, he does a bunch of work for Mike Jones, a uh, knife and tool as well too. And Mike's the one that actually veered me towards him. And, uh, you know, when I got everything here in shop, I was like, this is just simply amazing. Like all I got left to do is clean up this profile, you know, because you got a little bit of cant from the water jetting. They don't set it to 100% straight, you know, because mm. they're saving time on their cut, I'm assuming. 
But uh, like when it comes down to like the sharpening choil or whatever, that's cut nice and clean. The pinholes are cut nice and clean. So, you know, just the blade profile itself needs to be cleaned up. And then you throw some bevels on it. You slap those scales on there. You clean up the scales because they're just slightly oversized a bit. So, you know, the, the, you clean those up. I routered the scales. Quick hand sanding on those. Voila. Fini. Yeah. I th this, are the scales rich light? What yep. are they? Yeah, that's rich light. Uh, this batch here, I did rich light. And I'm actually, if I do another batch, I'm probably going to stick to the rich light again. Uh, he has the all black rich light, which I'm uh, really, really interested in. Mm. So, I like that. I, I really like the look of that rich light. It's, yeah, the rich light uh, I got. It's like a paper composite, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's paper and epoxy. Yeah. yeah. So Because we talk a lot about this in the shop, about G10 and how dangerous it is to work mm. with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm always looking for, for alternatives to G10 to achieve the same kind of finish on the blade oh. handle. And it's tough. Oh, you think G10's bad? You should try my carbon fiber. <laughs> well, carbon fiber is bad too, but yeah, G10 is is like the oh, it, it goes airborne, and when it once it's airborne and it yes, carbon fiber is kind of the same way, but it doesn't have the same. I don't know that I've machined both, and it's it seems like the carbon fiber I can contain better than G10. G10 it's heavier. Has, it's yeah, carbon fiber is heavier or it's lighter, but I don't know how to say it. It just feels like G10 yeah. at, it gets atmos in the atmosphere much more, and you can breathe it in. And it's they're probably just as equally as bad. But yeah, it's one of those things where rich light and paper micarta will give you a very similar experience to G10 but it's not as nasty. Yeah, it's a lot cleaner. Grind. It was really now, nice to work yeah. with, to be honest. Like, I enjoyed it. It was the first time working with Rich Light, and I was like, oh, wow. I want to get more of this stuff. And it's fairly inexpensive, too. Like, it's really not that yeah. expensive. Now, I was talking to Knives by Nuge right before the show in the pre-show on the live stream on Instagram. And he was, we were talking about doing these productions and keeping a you know relatively cheap price, nice and quick to put together, you know, you get some decent profit there, but it is what it is. But those knives are like the best business card ever. You get somebody to to buy into your brand at a really low price and for a really nice product, they love it. Let's say they use it for six months, a year, and all of a sudden they have a little bit of money in their pocket. Let's say it's, you know, tax season. They've got, yep. got you know, four or $500 to spend. They look at their knife collection. Okay, what's the knife that I use all the time? Holy shit, it's the PK Buddy. I need to go to Pickle Cutters and see what his high-end shit looks like. Mm. Boom, there's a sale. Yeah, it's for, like you said, it's like a business card pretty much, especially yeah. like if you're going the EDC route like because that's something somebody will carry every day most likely. Exactly. You know, so they will have it on and, their belt or on their pocket and on their person and, and using it and somebody would be like, oh, let me see that. Yeah. Is the what's the volume like on these like are you selling enough to, to like get a decent flow where you feel like you're not working knife to knife i know your situation's a little different nick because you have a huge customer base now um but i'm guessing I, what i guess i want to know is like do you feel like this is bridging the gap between the lower periods of like not mm -hmm. selling knives you know, uh, to be honest with you, not really, not for me anyways. Uh, what it did, what gap it did bridge though, was 
allowing me to get equipment for better efficiency in oh, my okay. shop and you know like i didn't want to electro etch 14 pks on these knives and have some hit and mm. miss in there you know what i'm saying so sure. i took the money from the pre uh, the pre-orders and i ordered myself a laser pecker lp3 nice you know so now instead of spending a day doing logos on 14 blades i could get 14 blades done in like an hour now i've got to freeze you, you up Oh yeah, it frees you up for other stuff. So now, like that laser packer is doing that logo for you, which it would take a lot more time. And now mm -hmm. you can be making more knives, which equates to more profit. Yeah, I'm on margin. to the next process quicker too. You know what I'm saying? Once I get that maker's mark on there, whatever the next step is, I'm right there. I don't have to fucking sit here annoyed waiting for a cheap laser to engrave nail polish and then only to take everything out and bring it to the shop and then electro etch everything individually. You know. Now, yeah. I've got to ask you, Pickle, how's your pecker working? Oh, I love it. It's nice and hard. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> no, I, I am loving it so far, though. The laser pecker is that, you know, it's not the most powerful and it's not the biggest laser out there or whatever, you know. So I got a lot of people when I started posting about it, like, oh, well, you know, for $1,000 more, you could have gotten this one or 20-watt fiber laser, blah, blah, blah. You know, I got a bunch of heat like that. And then I was like, who bought this? You know, who who... Who bought this laser picker LP3? I did, right? Not right. them. I don't care what you own. I don't care what you think I should get. I got what I felt was appropriate for me, and it's literally all I need it for. So what's the point of going to get a $6,000 fiber laser if I could get something for under two grand that does the job, right? Yeah. So yeah. if that's and what you're looking for. you get a bigger one is to do bigger projects and at some point maybe you're going to want to do bigger projects but the laser pecker is perfect for the small stuff yeah the maker's and marks i could put custom engravings on the knives everything like i put this uh, this one one of my customers because i wanted to see how it worked on damascus which it works fucking great um customer i asked i had a folder that was in damascus and i asked him if i could use his blade to test it and he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Do you mind putting this in? You know, so he gave me some Roman numerals, the dates. And then I asked him what the dates were for. And he's like, yeah, it's my uh, two-year sobriety from uh, being a raging alcoholic. So I bought myself nice. two knives this year. And yours is one of them. And you just made it way better. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's a cool story. So, like, the custom engraving is, like, definitely a must now. Like, if you really want something, I could do it nice and clean, no problem. The other thing is the resale value on those things seem to hold pretty decent because people are always wanting those for knife making. Yeah, no, exactly. I saw, I saw one lady because uh, I'm on the laser pecker groups on Facebook, and uh, mm -hmm. one lady had picked one up brand new in the box and everything, and she decided she wanted to go with a bigger fiber laser. So it was, it was brand new in the box, not even opened yet, and she was literally from I think is what like fourteen fifteen hundred US down to a thousand. She would have taken a thousand dollars for it. Oh wow! You know, so that's a decent buy-in if somebody wants to get a brand new laser and not have to pay full price. You know. Yeah, I would just worry. I mean, Facebook Marketplace is good for a lot of things, but like eh, things can yeah. get kind of sketch. Well, this is <laughs> this is a group, a laser pecker group. Oh, you know? right, right, right. Kind of like right. my knife group. If somebody wanted to resell one of their knives, I'd let them do it on my group. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, like I don't have a problem with that. So. What I like about this is that you you talked about it afforded you the ability to upgrade your equipment in your shop, which is something that isn't talked a lot about um, from 
So we have this thing called revenue, right? And the definition of revenue is literally cash flow. Okay. Yeah. And if you're a business owner, cash flow is everything. Like you have, it doesn't like margins matter. Of course, you have to make sure you have a healthy margin. Otherwise, your business is going to go under. Oh, and by the way, I got an email yesterday that the company, my old company that I sold a couple years ago, yep. is going under. The new oh, owners no. uh, ran it into the ground. Yeah. No shit. Uh, yeah, I had that business for 15 years and in two years destroyed it. Yeah. So um, it was sad because I'm like, this sucks. You know, I hate the fact that that shop is closing. But um, it, it to me, it screams like how important these business fundamental things are. Right. Mm -hmm. Margins are important. But what's even more important is cash flow. If you have cash flow, meaning you have sales, you have things, you know, you're making something, you're selling it. And let's just say you take a lesser margin than you normally would on something else, but you're doing more volume, right? So you've got like, you know, instead of selling, you know, say you sell 20 knives a month or let's say 10 knives a month. And each one of those knives takes you, you know, almost that whole month to make. And you're, you're trying to operate under, you know, maybe I'll sell 10 knives this month, or maybe I'll sell five and who knows the reality of it is, is what pickles doing is he's got this, steady flow of blades that he knows he can produce produce them well the more he gets uh, more he does he probably gets more efficient at making them mm -hmm. and then yeah his margin might be smaller like he's not making the, the, what he normally would on a one knife sale but he's doing it in volume so he's making that same amount of money and it becomes this reoccurring thing and granted it opens up doors to other purchases for these customers that cash flow is what's going to afford him to grow over time as long as he's smart about it and those margins steadily increase over time. You know, that's yeah, the other thing. You're mean, looking at. Let's just say you're doing 20%. You might want to add, you know, 5%. When sure. once you start selling out, you go, okay, I, I was selling this knife for 200 and now I'm going to sell it for 215 because yeah. I need a little more margin. You know, they're selling really well. I want to do this. And that's how we we show any good indicator of a product that we create. We know that when we sell out real quick, that we that particular uh, product is in demand. And so, you know, we look at the numbers and we go, our margins are tight on those. OK, let's bring them up, the margin up just slightly. And then over time, it grows and grows until it starts to steady out over time. It starts to balance itself out. Sure. But, um, I love that you're doing this with the with the 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 PK buddy. I think it's great. You know, it's Upper. it's something I'm trying for now. See how it goes. You know, what I'm saying uh, in the past couple of weeks, I did bring it up to the people's uh, my following you want to say uh, as attention that i would be dropping another batch but you know i want to see if there's any interest in it first because I, I want to do pre-orders i don't want to go and dish out a grand sure. and then have to sit on blades like when i did this pre-order run um uh, i didn't have all 14 of these blades sold i didn't even have the big buddy in mind either you know like the big buddy just came down the road it was like oh why don't you cut out two of the same but just bigger blow it up a bit that way you know i'll put these out and see if it gets attention then i could have the edc buddy and the big buddy in line you know but i did get enough pre-orders on the edc buddy to allow me without everything being sold at the moment to allow me to get the batch done like mm -hmm. i had enough funds for it 
So now the thing that I love about your PK buddy is you can see that it is incredibly efficient to grind. Oh and yeah. That's where that's where I went wrong with my ridge line. Yeah. There are so many unnecessary curves. I mean, the the harpoon clip looks cool, but it's a son of a bitch to try to put into Kydex. Yeah, and you want to exactly. You're giving yourself extra work over a design that looks cool. Yeah. You know, so that's why I like to keep things very, very simple and you, you, you utilitarian or whatever like but utilitarian. utilitarian yes thank you damn frenchy <laughs> <laughs> <It's like that. laughs> i'll say it in french <laughs> amateur but, is a french word yes amateur. <laughs> but yeah it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely uh it was definitely a game changer for me just doing that drop so if you could do something like that and get it done and it works out for you, take advantage of it and do something with it. Like I said, I got myself that laser. So that down the road is going to, you know, it's already paying for itself because I already got some custom laser engraving to do. Uh, Lawrence is drop shipping me a hundred rules and a hundred rulers. So I got to do his logo on those. Nice. You so know, now he's stealing my ruler idea. Yeah, fucking right. <laughs> uh, I'm even going to put quote. I'm going to put little quotes on there, but from French people. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, Lawrence. if you're going into, if you're thinking about doing an EDC line or a production line, you need to have it catted out. And yeah. the best person, the person I went through is Brian Hunt from Hidden Rose Forge. And he's actually, you know, he's started doing this professionally, like, He's, he awesome. is, he is basically, it's, it's a lesser amount than if you have them canned out by a lot of other places. So you're getting a really good, I mean, he's, he does it on his full-time job, yeah. uses CAD. So he's very, very good at it it's and efficient. it takes him almost no time, but he does it. Now you can just go to him and say, Hey, I need this design, this design, this design. He'll let you know how much it'll be. And it's, you'll go talk to him. It'll be a much you know better price than you would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, because New Jersey Steel Baron charges for that service. Yep. Yeah, yeah. If you want them to draw it out, yeah. you know, they they charge a CAD fee. So yeah, yeah. give the business to Brian for sure. That's how uh, when I was when I first started out and um, and I was get, I had getting those blanks cut out on the laser uh, CNC. That's what it was. There was a ten dollar fee for every design. So yeah, it's not bad. Idea. It's not going to be expensive to yeah. do it. It's just, but, yeah, uh, you want this, it done by the right guy. This guy I went through, I don't even think he really had a CAD fee. Like, I think it was just, like, it, it wasn't in the receipt or anything. You know, it was just. Part well, of he's the doing price. the work for you. So, yeah, because I, I sent him literally, I took a picture on a graphic paper of my knife traced out in between the squares and all that and gave him dimensions and specs that I wanted. And uh, he went with that and came back with. I wanted like I didn't have to correct or anything I didn't have to tell him this needs to be changed it showed up like I wanted it to don't you love technology oh dude I love it you know that, that all started that all started with uh coming back from blade show not necessarily being inspired by everything I saw there but just being in my shop one night I was cutting out from uh, some bars that I had made I had some uh, Damascus core Damacor Senmai and I had a little six inch piece left on the end of it, you know, so I just drew something up real quick. I cut it out and it was looking pretty cool. The uh, handle design was a little different. I put it out there. People said, oh, you should put a finger choil in there. So I just hit the grinder real quick, put the finger choil in there. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. I love this now. Mm. And uh, my friend was over at the shop and he had his dog with him. And the dog's name is Buddy. 
<laughs> so I took the uh, knife and I showed Buddy the knife and I was like, that's a pretty cool knife, Buddy, right? And then I was like, fuck, EDC Buddy. You know, that, that what, what other name would be good for a knife like that? You know, it's your buddy. You want your buddy with you every fucking day, right? Mm. So. And that's a very, like, Canadian, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, you could, you, buddy. How, how'd you name that knife <laughs> it's design? <a> buddy. <laughs> buddy. How'd you name that knife design? Oh, my friend's dog. I showed him the fucking knife, and I said, that's a nice blade, eh, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not your buddy, guy. I love it. I love it. I absolutely yeah. freaking love it. And it's then, like true. I said earlier, the big buddy was just a, uh, a last-minute decision. I was like, hey, well, what about if you blew this up, you know, made it an inch and a half longer both ways on the handle and on the blade, and uh, we'll call it the big buddy, and that that worked out. You know, like I had sold one. I raffled one off. Yeah, uh, I love the, it. The That's one that great. I had sold, the customer decided down the road he wanted to go full custom on his order, so that knife ended up back in the inventory, and it, like, I was on a live, and it sold right away, so. Yeah. yeah that one's going nice. off to Texas. Well, all right, guys. We're at the hour mark. Do we want to, do we want to hit up WFI Projects, or so, we want I'm to looking at it right now. After show. Well, I think what I want to do is I want to do a dad joke, and then I want to transition to the after show where we talk about Pickle's sales technique, and his, he has a unique take on that. So if you want to hear about how uh, Pickle does it, I get asked this all the time, and I t basically send everybody to Pickle. I'm like, just look at what Nick is doing because right. he has no trouble selling knives. And uh, if you want to find somebody that's actually doing it, talk to him and i would say probably nobody's actually talked to you about it pickle is that does has anyone approached you? this is a great question has anyone ever approached you and said brian told me to come talk to you about selling my knives i think they're intimidated by the fact that they would <laughs> like, i think they're intimidated by me period but uh i know i haven't to be honest with you i have not and it's usually me that goes out to them and i'll, I'll notice the struggle and i'll tell people you know but that goes down to the same thing as, you know, I knew it. You telling these people to come to me and them not coming to me. And it's the same thing as me telling these people what to do and not doing it. All right, guys, we had some technical difficulties. It sounds like Brian's in the middle of a storm and just had his internet wiped off of the face of the planet. So just me and Pickle for the rest of the show. So Pickle, I mean, we were just talking about wanting to get a dad joke going at the hour mark. You got one? I definitely do. I What's found a pretty decent one. You got your trombone ready there? Oh, I've got my boner ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let sorry. me take the laser pecker out. <laughs> hey. hey. Why don't skeletons fight each other? Why is that? They don't have the guts. Ha, ha, ha. All right. <laughs> well, guys was the show i don't know how much of brian we got out of that or if the rest of the show is any good if the internet kind of screwed everything up but we had a good time i really appreciate you pickle for jumping on um appreciate yeah, you guys having me yeah of course of course so we're gonna do the after show and if you guys want to listen to the after show you gotta jump over to patreon it's nice and cheap it's like ten dollars and eighty some cents for the entire year so what are we going to talk about in the after show pickle we are going to talk about how one would go about selling his finished product on social media. 
it's not just making beautiful knives. You've got to make that sale. You, exactly. You, you can't just make the prettiest knives in the world and expect it to sell themselves. No, you have to sell. You have to be out yeah. there. You have to be present. You have to be loud and proud and get it done. Oh, yeah. So we're going to be loud and proud in the after show. We're going to jump over there here momentarily. But, yeah, we appreciate you all. Go check out Pickle Cutters. I mean, Pickle, shout yourself out. All right, so if everybody's wondering who I am or have never heard of me, which I doubt, uh, you could check out Pickle Cutters on Facebook or Instagram um, and also PickleCutters.com. Now, that's Pickle Cutters spelled with a K. Yes, K-U-T-T-E-R-Z. There it is. Yes, a lot of people ask me why. It's because I like to be different. All right. Work for it, baby! Yeah.